It's Today Explained. I'm Noel King. And you are? My name is Alexei Kovalev, and I'm the investigative editor at Medusa. Medusa. Am I pronouncing that right? Uh, yes. Is Medusa, is your organization referring to this as a special operation? No. Vladimir Putin has ordered Russian media to call the war in Ukraine a special operation. Medusa is one of the few independent news websites in Russia. And Alexei talked to me from inside of his home, which is where he is now based, because he could be arrested for not following that directive. Journalists, even with uh, full proper accreditation, are being arrested and subjected to violence uh, by the police. Vladimir Putin says there is broad public support for his invasion of Ukraine. Is that what you're seeing? I'm seeing quite quite the opposite thing. Uh, if there is a uh, massive public support, there are no uh, visual clues as to hmm. whether it actually is. There are no patriotic outbursts uh, associated with um, the annexation of Crimea, which was quite visible. What you're not seeing is any visual evidence of people who support the war. Are you seeing visual evidence that people are against this war? Uh, yes, definitely. There are people uh, protesting right now across Russia, and they have been uh, doing so for days. Despite the very real uh, risk of arrest and detention uh, and violence uh, uh, by the police, and I think at, uh, at this moment, the, the latest figure is 6,000 people arrested. 6,000 people arrested. What do the protests look like? What are people doing and saying? Today, for example, uh, people are laying flowers to um, uh, on this tomb of the unknown soldier uh, near the Kremlin, mm. and right next to it is a uh, is a row of stelas with uh, uh, with the so called hero cities, uh, one of which is Kiev. Uh, this is the like a highest honor uh, bestowed on a city that went through uh, uh, a brutal siege uh, in the Second World War and Kyiv was one of those places and people are expressing solidarity with the Ukrainians by laying flowers to the Stella. Uh, but um, most of the time people are just, um, you know, uh, coming to the, the town square, some major thoroughfare uh, like in, Mo in Moscow, the Tverskaya Street. Five minutes, there's another person being dragged out of the subway here by his face being dragged by the police, being arrested, thrust up against the vehicle, being frisked. We've seen dozens of people being arrested here over the last 45 minutes. A lot just doesn't really have time to happen, and people are just immediately whisked away into police vans and uh, uh, carried away. But uh, there have been some significant crowds, probably the biggest anti-war demo I've seen uh, since 1999 uh, was in St. Petersburg. Who is arresting people at these protests? You know, we have many different kinds of police. Uh, and uh, when you're walking through downtown Moscow, uh, uh, their presence is very visible. There are police vans everywhere you go, especially in central uh, streets and squares. And whenever there is a, uh, even a lone protester with a placard that says no to war, uh, attracts immediate attention. And uh, that's basically inviting violence and uh so there isn't really much you can do, but people are so desperate that they keep coming out regardless. Alexei, has there been violence? Aside from people being arrested, has the, has the Russian government cracked down on these protests in any way? Uh, well, in many different ways. I mean, people have lost their jobs for uh, speaking out uh, 
against the war. And uh, there were reports that, uh, you know, students are uh, receiving uh, emails from their uh, superiors uh, demanding that they uh, take down on the anti-war uh, posts on the social media and, and um, even people who uh, put up a, a, a small no, no to war sign in their um, uh, in their residential neighborhoods uh, and I'm, I'm seeing graffiti on, on, on the walls that are being scrubbed down uh, uh, as I walk past them um, uh, by um, you know community services so it seems like the Russian government's response is to at every turn try to keep these protests from happening. Uh, yes, because uh, it insists that it and it actually demands that this is not war. You know, uh, all the state media are prohibited from calling it war, and now even the censorship ministry is demanding from the last few remaining independent media like ours that it, we don't refer to to this as war. Uh, uh, it's uh, it's uh, quote uh, special operation unquote, and uh, if you. Uh, do refer to it by any other name, you're just inviting censorship. And it's, that's what's happening. A few news outlets uh, and uh, 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 different uh, websites that are uh, running commentary contrary to the demands of the censorship ministry uh, are being shut down and blocked in Russia. I know that in the United States anyway, when they're, when the United States is involved in a war, celebrities and cultural figures will often come out and express how patriotic they are. Um, I wonder if you're seeing that at all in Russia. Are there famous Russians, pop stars, movie stars, who are taking the Kremlin's line and saying, Russia should stay united, we have to be patriotic? Or are they dissenting too? Uh, yes, the, the, of course, there are uh, a, f a few um, kind of super patriotic pop stars and, uh, and film stars, uh, but they are greatly outnumbered now hmm. because most other uh, famous bloggers, uh, musicians, uh, like nationally recognized, nationally famous uh, people, uh, journalists, artists, um, you name it. Basically, every major cultural and uh, scientific figure uh, has spoken out uh, out against the war. What happened today is something that could not and should not have happened ever. I plead you to stop military hostilities and start negotiations. Who is Valery Maladze? Oh yeah, <laughs> yes. Valery Miladze is a uh, is a famous crooner. Uh, he's one of the most uh, beloved uh, uh, pop singers in Russia. You know, if you lost Valery Miladze, you basically lost millions of his fans. Are there many Russians who support Putin and support this war? Well, that's um, kind of the, the, these are two different questions, uh, and of course, yes, uh, of course, Putin does enjoy, or, or at, at least did uh, until um, February twenty-four, because there haven't been any uh, uh, more recent polls done after the uh, beginning of, beginning of the war. Uh -huh. So we cannot really say. Uh, uh, how much uh, support P uh, Putin still enjoys, especially as people are, you know, people who have never been interested in politics and more like uh, mostly passive supporters. 
because people really don't know any, anyone else, especially if you're not interested in politics, you're not following news, and you're only ever seeing Vladimir Putin on TV. So whenever a pollster calls you and asking if you support him, uh, you just you just shrug and say, "Well, I guess." Uh, and uh, <laughs> but I expect a lot more people. Yeah, I expect a lot more people in that category to uh, wake up to uh, the existential threat that Vladimir Putin is to them and to the rest of the world. Uh, because, well, few brave, a few brave people actually tried to warn us and 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 the rest of the world. The new trial began for Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny. <laughs> I'm not afraid of the decision of the court, Russia's Federal Security Service, the prosecutor's office, or anyone else. I'm not afraid, because I consider it humiliating to be afraid of all this. It's bad. One of the ways in which the United States and Europe are trying to put pressure on Russia is by instituting economic sanctions. Are you witnessing in Moscow anything in the vein of bank runs or empty grocery store shelves, anything that might indicate economic pain, which the U.S. believes will help turn Russians against Putin and against this war? Uh, well, my own salary has just devalued by in, in two, and that's the, even before the Moscow Stock Exchange opened. Devalued by half? Yeah. Oh, dear. Uh, yeah, and... Uh, yeah, there's there are bank runs everywhere. I mean, you, you you'll have to uh, stay stand in line to new to the nearest ATM for two and three hours. Uh, if you're lucky enough, you'll uh, get some cash, but no currency. There's uh, you know there's you can't get any foreign currency anymore in in Moscow or elsewhere. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 terrible. It's going to be the the sharpest uh, uh, economic downturn that we've seen since probably 1998 when we had the last uh, major recession. Obviously, no matter, regardless of our position or our attitude to this war, we're all going to suffer terribly. And uh, especially uh, the millions of uh, Russian Russians below the uh, the poverty line. Uh, I mean, it's going to be a catastrophe. People are, people are going to get hungry and, um, you know, uh, the physical and mental health will uh, decline for millions of people. I want to ask you about the risk that people are taking. Anytime people protest in Russia, it is an immense risk. They can be arrested, they can be disappeared, they can be detained, they can lose their jobs, as you said. Thousands of people are taking that chance now. What do you think has changed? I don't think there is a single family in Russia that doesn't have uh, relatives or, uh, you know, friends or colleagues or uh, uh Whatever other you know personal ties you can have with with a neighboring nation, and when you're looking at these videos, I'm looking at those videos of uh, a major, beautiful city of Kharkiv uh, being indiscriminately bombed with uh, uh, you know multiple uh, rocket launches, which is a you know a war crime by any means. And when you're looking at those TikTok videos, with people are recording those you know incoming rockets. They all are swearing in Russian because it's it's as much as their mother's, mother's language as it is mine. So it's uh so it's an indescribable indescribable tragedy. I can tell you uh, when I'm looking at those videos of you know bombs and shells falling on Ukrainian cities, I see Moscow because they look exactly the same like Moscow. You know all those uh, identical uh, rows of. Uh, 
you know, tower residential tower blocks arranged in the same, you know, uh, centrally planned patterns as Moscow or any other uh, major Russian city. And I have friends there, friends, uh, you know, uh, cowering in in uh, uh, bomb shelters. So it's uh, it, there is there is no possible way to justify this. Do you think these protests are going to continue? Uh, yes, absolutely, and and since the uh, the you know reality of what is happening is uh, already dawning on people who aren't really following uh, any news at all, uh, you know families are stranded in, in uh, Russian airports because they were going for a holiday in the middle of all this, and now uh, they can't because the the entire European Union airspace is closed to uh, Russian flights, and people aren't getting anywhere. People are stuck there. Uh, uh, people who have already traveled outside of Russia are stuck. When you're trying to uh, book a ticket or pay for your Netflix subscription, it's not—it's now going to cost you two and two point half uh, times uh, as expensive uh, as it was uh, yesterday. So you cannot help but notice that something really, really wrong is happening right now. Uh, and sure, if, when people when, when these people will lo- log on online and watch the news, they will understand uh, why it's happening to them. And surely. Uh, this is going to elicit some sort of reaction, I hope. Support for the show today comes from Mint Mobile. There's lots of ways to spend $15. Like, I don't know, what would I spend $15? Maybe like a really good burrito and a drink? Because I think $15 for just the burrito would be a little steep, but with a drink, you know? Probably about that. Anyway, you could also put your $15 towards a new phone plan from guess who? Mint Mobile. By switching to Mint Mobile, you could say goodbye to an overpriced monthly plan or unexpected fees. How much does your cell phone plan cost? Probably not $15. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, you can go to mintmobile.com slash explained. That is mintmobile.com slash explained. You can cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash explained. They really want me to say that. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month, obviously. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Support for Che Explained comes from FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. If you like spy thrillers or indeed Elizabeth Moss, then you might want to check out FX's The Veil. It's an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. Oh, I'll go. One woman has a secret, same here, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. I come today with an appeal to all citizens of Russia. Not as president, I am appealing to the people of Russia as a citizen of Ukraine. Ukraine in your news and Ukraine in reality are two completely different countries. The most important difference is that ours is real. 
We're back with Alexei Kovalyev, the investigative editor at Medusa, which is an independent news website. How does the Russian government typically limit information, independent information, from getting to people? What's the mechanism? Most Russians' media diets depend on uh, on this sprawling conglomerate of uh, state media outlets, uh, uh, whose penetration is only similar in uh, their scope to maybe China or Turkey or other places uh, where uh, with a very, very strong uh, uh, central government, uh, which is used to uh, imposing its uh, uh, will of the executive power. And it's very centrally managed because I worked in a, in a state in a, in a news agency. Huh. Uh, yes. And uh, when we're talking about Russian government, it's usually the presidential administration, uh, the P- Putin's admin. And Putin's admin people, uh, they have a direct line to all the major uh, you know, TV networks and uh, uh, state news agencies. And they, um, uh, when something is uh, of... of very immediate importance to them. Uh, they kind of micromanage the uh, the agenda. So I'm looking at uh, the, I, I'm looking at uh, you know leaked screenshots of of chats in those. You know I have people there. I have sources in those huh. state agencies, and they're sending me you know screenshots of memos from their superiors. Like under no circumstance uh, under no circumstances call this war. Don't use any other sh- sources than the Ministry of Defense's briefings. And under no circumstances can you refer to any Ukrainian sources. Wow. Yeah, so this is what it's like on the state media. The rest of us uh, uh, increasingly pushed out from, uh, you know, all uh, online news aggregation and, uh, you know, cable uh, channels, uh, stuff like that. So, we, so we're basically all online. And, uh, uh, of course, we, for, for example, us, Medusa, we have uh, doubled and almost tripled our normal... Uh, audience because people of course people want to know what's really going on and uh, there's only so many independent news outlets uh, that are out there but we still i'm afraid not even comparable in scope to the reach of those uh, state news outlets we are seeing credible reports that the russian military is not doing as well as might have been expected As of Monday morning when we're taping this, Russia has not yet taken Kiev. The Pentagon said Kiev could fall within a matter of days. Um, We're seeing the Russian military is facing very strong resistance in Kharkiv. Are ordinary Russians seeing reports that the Russian military is looking weaker than might have been expected? Russians, if they only consume uh, news uh, from the state media channels, uh, they wouldn't be even aware uh, that there is military action in Ukraine. So it's being sold. Wow. Yes. So it's being sold to the public as this special operation uh, to uh, liberate, that's the word they're using, uh, those uh, newly independent regions of eastern Ukraine recognized as independent by Russia. Russians who are relying only on state media, they don't know that Russian troops are at this moment fighting around Kiev and Kharkiv and Lviv and and numerous other places in Ukraine. They don't know that that's happening? Uh, No, because the uh, state media only reports, uh, you know, military uh, clashes and confrontations uh, in those uh, uh, breakaway republics uh, because the operation is being sold to the public as 
uh, as liberation of those, uh, you know, our fellow uh, uh, Russian-speaking Ukrainians, our brothers from the yoke of this Nazi junta. And I'm not exaggerating. This is the word they're using in those reports. Nazis. Nazis, yes. So that's what people who are only consuming uh, state media are seeing on their TV screens. And Russians who are consuming things like Medusa, are you able to get the word out? I mean, are you reporting that the Russian military is not doing as well as, as would be expected? That's that's what we've been doing 24-7 for the past week. I've barely had a, uh, any sleep uh, in, in the past week. Uh, and that's all we're covering, basically. We uh, uh, hopefully will have a reporter on the ground soon. And yes, uh us and a few other uh, very few remaining independent media are reporting it as it is. Yeah, at this point, at, at this point, my jo- my job is basically documenting my country's war crimes. Vladimir Putin said over the weekend that he's putting Russia's nuclear forces on high alert. How are people responding to that? Are they worried? Uh, with uh, really grim jokes. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what else can What else can you really hmm. do? I mean. Sure, I, I'm. I'm pretty sure the depression and anxiety and hopelessness will uh, hit in soon. But you know, we are really good. We're really good at dark humor. What's the joke? Uh, okay, you you kind of uh, got me uh, with my pants off here. Uh, I should have. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. It doesn't. <laughs> there, there, there are some. There are some really, really good uh, uh, nuclear war jokes uh, in in Russia. Things don't always translate. I understand that. <laughs> what percentage of the population, Alexei, do you think is solely relying on Russian state media, which I imagine is easier to access and more? pervasive than something like Medusa, an independent outlet. What percentage of Russians are getting their information only from the state? I can't give you an ex, uh, an exact figure because it would be really hard to gauge whether uh, whether people are solely, solely consuming uh, news from state media. But I would wager that uh, for about 60%, uh, it's their primary source. 60%. Yes, I would, I would wow. say that, uh, of, especially, for, especially for the older generation, uh, you know, Russians in the 60s and 70s, uh, they mostly rely uh, on the state media, on television, basically. Tele- television, dom- there, is no independ- there are no independent TV channels in Russia. That's, uh, th- that's one way to put it. There is one, but it only... Uh, but it was stripped of its broadcasting license uh, back in 2014, so it's now only online. So yeah, you gotta jump through a few hoops uh, to access uh, independent information in Russia, and uh, yeah, that's what prevents uh, a lot of people from accessing it. We started this interview by talking about the fact that people who are, are protesting are people who know what's going on, right? In order to see this as an illegal war, in order to see this as an illegal invasion, you have to be getting accurate information. You can't be hearing that this is just a special military operation and everything's fine. I, I want to ask you what you think about the potential that these protests really do succeed if something along the lines of, and you have said it's not an exact number, but if something along the lines of 60% of the country are using state-run media as their main source of information, how on earth does a Russian protest movement continue if most of the country is being lied to? I think at some point, um, you know, there was, uh, uh, I have to go um, uh, a few decades back uh, to early 2000s when Putin just came to power. Uh, And this was uh, a year, uh, this was the first few years where 
just really never in Russian history have um, Russians lived so well, uh, so well off. So in that time, uh, uh, millions of us, for the first time, they had access to better consumer goods. They could go for holidays abroad. They could uh, uh, get loans for all kinds of, um, you know, um, consumer stuff that we've never had before. So it was this kind of tacit agreement between the uh, between the Kremlin and the people. Uh, so we do the, the dirty stuff, the, the politics, and you get the uh, you get to be well off. Hmm. Uh, because we're selling a lot of oil and it's uh, uh, at uh, $120 uh, per barrel. And you get a slice of that uh, oil revenue uh, in uh, cheap loans uh, and um, uh, cheap cars and cheap TVs. Uh, and uh, one thing that we ask of you is that you don't get involved in politics. That was part of the deal uh, between the Kremlin and the, and the economy is good. Yeah, stay out of the political stuff. Now, now the contract is broken. Now, a lot of people, uh, no matter what the what their political convictions, are gonna get a lot poorer, and a, a lot of people will see the deepening uh, uh, chasm between the uh, official rhetoric and uh, uh, the way they actually live. None of the consumer electronics that we've gotten used to is going to be available to us because no one is uh, exporting either electronics themselves or the spare parts, nothing. So we're just basically rolling back to uh, 1998. And a lot of people are, even if they were oblivious to what's happening now, uh, they're going to start asking questions. And uh, I expect that to happen very soon because we are looking, we're just standing on the, on the edge of this uh, abyss I see. What you're saying is so smart. You're saying people might be getting misinformation from the television, from the state-run media, but when they go down to the store and suddenly an apple costs twice what it did yesterday, people stop believing you. They understand that something's going on and they're being lied to. Yeah? Uh, that's what we call the struggle between your fridge and your TV set. <laughs> is that really what you call it? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that, that's a very popular expression. So... This week, the TV is definitely winning. But by next week, the fridge may be winning. Yeah. Yeah. Our show today was produced by Victoria Chamberlain, edited by Matthew Collette, engineered by Paul Mounsey, and fact-checked by Laura Bullard. I'm Noelle King. This is Today Explained. Thank you.